Hello and welcome to the Potters Podcast after a welcomed win. I forgot the feeling and we're also joined by Angela. Can you remember the last time we won a game? I don't even want to go that far back. Um, but what a wonderful feeling. And what a wonderful feeling to score two goals against a manager who apparently had beaten five of the six teams he'd managed before and they hadn't conceded a goal for God knows how long. Um, yeah, and it was just a lovely day, wasn't it? An og, a clean sheet, a good goal by our absolutely consummate forward, Jacob Brown, uh, a very soft penalty, and are you ready for this? A penalty saved by a stokekeeper. I know, it's unbelievable, Jack Bonham saving a penalty, because to be honest, I don't think he can catch a cold half the time, <laughs> but he, he, he put up a good performance there. But before, obviously, we go into the player ratings, we're going to jump straight in with a match I didn't go, and I was mocking you and taking the mic because you said we'd win 3-0, and I said we'd lose 1-0. We ended up losing 2-1. Now, go through that first, because obviously everybody needs bringing down before we go up. Yeah, and firstly, anybody that listens to the podcast is now probably aware that you're completely deluded. I did not say we'd win 3-0 at Cardiff, but I did think we we would do okay and probably win. However, it was a lovely drive down. Uh, We filled up the car again on the supermarket at Tesco. We then went into broadcast. Uh, I will always love BBC Radio Lancashire now because they had ruined the point we were broadcasting from. Uh, Consequently, they took the Yaki Dar commentary from BBC Radio Wales and we watched one of the worst performances I've ever seen it was just dreadful, just dreadful. You get a lead, what do you do? You let them equalise, what, four minutes before half-time, and then you let them get a winner, and it was just horrible. And the journey back was just as horrible. However, you know, we rectified it all, and I know one swallow doesn't make a summer, but uh, the, the difference between the performance on Saturday and the before performance on midweek was just light and day. It was just so bad. Um probably on a par with the Luton game for me. But the difference was the 430-odd players that, that went from the city, sorry, the fans that went from the city, actually stuck behind the team all the way through. Um, and that was interesting because we know we've been at some matches where they haven't. Uh, but no doubt you'll come on to, to the fans at um, later on. So it was a very disappointing day. And I, I wouldn't, you know the marks we gave last weekend? I'd have taken two off every mark I gave. In fact, I wouldn't have given them any good marks at all because they were poor. But just what a difference a few days can make. It's a it's a strange league, isn't it? It's a strange league because it's, you know, it, for me, after the Cardiff game, I thought his cards were marked for me at that point. The fans had literally turned. They were, they were, they were all singing horrible things, really, towards Michael O'Neill. Uh, the performance was pathetic, I've got to be honest. A group of players that didn't really want to play for the manager. And... You know, I didn't expect a great game. I predicted a 1-0. We ended up winning two. Uh, so we'll go into that now. We'll go a bit more positive because we did get a fantastic res- result against King Rowett. Yes. Um, did you say King Rowett? Yeah, that was his nickname for a while, yeah. Right, OK. I thought perhaps you were using a, a, a play on another word. Um, right. It was a delightful day, wasn't it? The sun was shining, the fans really got behind the team. Um, I thought we ought to start as we normally do with the goalkeeper, but having most people kept saying, why isn't Bursic playing? I thought Bonham had one of his best games yesterday. I don't know what you thought, Ian. Yeah, I think he was brilliant yesterday, Bonham, to be honest. He, He did look a level above than he has been before, which is rightfully so a championship goalkeeper. Uh, I still don't rate him. I still don't think he's a player goalkeeper that we, we can put between the sticks as a long term, unless he brings that those kind of performances again. Um, he came for crosses and handled them comfortably. He looked assured. He was he was talking as well, which I haven't noticed from him before. And he saved a, be- a beautiful penalty. So, you know, it was a great performance from Bonham. So what we're going to mark him as? I'm going to give him a seven. Look, any penalty saves good. The penalty wasn't particularly good. Um, but you, your heart must have sank like mine when they got the penalty with about 15 minutes, 18 minutes to go. You think, oh, God, here we go again. But he saved it. 
he also did great with crosses. He was talking all the way through. I'm giving him a seven. Yeah, I'm going to go an eight with Bottom yesterday. Mm. I thought he played really well in goal. They always looked assured, most confident I've seen him. I don't know if it's because he's sort of just been shoved in. He's he's a bit nervous of the situation. But yesterday, I have to give him credit. It was a great performance in goal. Right, now we move into the defensive areas and we go in straight away with Haywood Bellish. I thought he did well, actually, in that position. He looked a better player than I expected him to look. Um, did his job well. Um I'm going to give him a seven as well. Uh, I'm going to go with an eight, to be honest. I thought he was absolutely brilliant in that role yesterday. Put some nice balls into the box. I know they sort of came to nothing. Defensively did his job. He uh, was constantly trying to bring the ball out and keep and keep us in possession. I thought it was a very good performance from Howard Ballish. And, and he's a player that's impressing me. We've got to try and get this lad on a permanent basis. It's got to be number one priority for me. I think as a player, he wants to get his career going now at 23. He's not far away from 24. He's got to get a career going. He's got no chance of getting in that City side. So, got to look at trying to get this lad on a permanent basis, haven't they, really? Well, I think I think we could do worse. Um, he's a young lad. I think the best we'll get if we get him at all is, a, is a, another loan next season. Well, that's a bit negative. You keep telling me I'm not negative. I went in positive. You've gone straight away negative. I think they'll get him... For, I don't know, three million or something. I'd say you don't want him. Like, let's put it that way. I don't I didn't say that, but I, I don't think he will commit his future to Stoke City Football Club when he's at Manchester City. Well, if he doesn't, I think then he would come on loan. Listen, who's the guy from Newcastle that um, we wanted as fullback and he wouldn't come? He turned down a loan move to us in January. Oh, Lewis. Some, some him team. anyway yeah. um, they've now told him to go and find another club so you know you have to make a decision in your life at times don't you so this guy that uh, Jamal Lewis that was it That's this, it, this yeah, guy Jamal that had, had a chance to come and join us on loan has now got no chance but I think he I think Howard Bellis whilst I don't think he made the first team at Man City I think he's a better player than um, than a lot giving credit for and I think he'd at least make the bench but I would love to see him come to Stoke yeah, so would I. And if he doesn't want to come, then bugger him. Right, so now we do move into Josh Tyman. Um, he isn't a left-back, is he? But he's stuck to the job. Um, I thought he played OK. He moved forward well too, so he's getting a seven from me. Uh, I'm going to go with a six, actually, for Tyman yesterday. OK. Uh, he, he was running again. And again, I just don't think he had that connection with Thompson that he normally does because I think when Thompson plays he shines time and um, he looked yeah. a bit he looked a bit a bit dangerous on a few occasions when he broke through but there was not really a lot brought to the table by him to be honest he, there wasn't anything for me to stand there and go well, well he was brilliant he was this he was that I just thought it was okay you know which is why I've given him a six right now Phil Jagielka well I actually think we look a better team when he's playing than when he doesn't play. However um, old he is, he gives us an assurity. Um, and apart from giving away one of the softest penalties I've ever seen in my life, um, he's getting a seven from me too. Uh, I'm going to go with another six for Jaggy Alke. You know, he looked steady, looked his thing, but it was a soft penalty giveaway. I mean, he just booted, booted him off. I mean, what was he doing? I don't know if that was tired legs, I'm not sure, but he's looking a bit leggy for me now, Jaggy Elke. And he's got the experience, he's got that knowledge, and he's a useful player. He reminds me a lot of Jerry Taggart for that, when he was yeah. at the end of his career at Stoke. But for me yesterday, he's got to be quicker, he's got to, he's got to be smarter with the ball. You know, good, mature players who are getting on the wrong side of the, of the ages now have got to be clever when it comes down to movement. Because they are—they're never going to beat anyone for pace or running because they—they're no. that old. But you've got to be clever, and I think yesterday he was done a few times from being out of position. And once he's done, he's done. Simple as that. Right now we're going to Mewe. I thought he played really well. He surprised me in the air yesterday. Um, I don't think he's as brilliant with the on the deck as it, as he might be. But I thought he put in a a very good shift. And he steadied down the defence, which had been so, so bad at Cardiff. So he's getting a 7-2. Uh, yeah, I'll follow up with a 7. I thought he played well, actually, Liam. 
Again, he's a player I'm not 100% on at this moment in time. Um, no, I'm not either. He, he, he seems to be very hit and miss. He's reminded me a lot of Danny Bat, to be honest, where he'll get a good run of good games and then he'll turn into an oil tanker again. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm sticking with him and I think he's a useful player till maybe um, Ari Suter comes back. Maybe it, that can be the instant thing at the end of the season. They do let him go because he, he decide to keep all the suitor. Um, I thought he got in a couple of dangerous positions as well from set pieces and I thought he was unlucky not to get his head to one of them I thought he played well and he was solid he stopped Millwall playing and that, that's what we needed him to do really good performance right so now we're moving to Joe Allen now I thought it was a toss up between Joe Allen and a Ryan yesterday to be honest and I'm going to go with man of the match as well um, every interception he did well he, he was trying to make clever passes this time which is something he hasn't been doing before he's playing like a man whose contract's up isn't he yeah yeah um, sadly I think it will be um, the end of Joe Allen's career at Stoke this season but we can talk about that later yeah, we could talk about that later, but to be honest, I think he was brilliant yesterday. He's my man of the match. He, and to be honest, he's been, behind Lewis Baker, probably our best player since he's come back and since the January yeah. wind has gone. So, you know, long may it continue. It's too late now for obviously promotion, but if he can bring a bit of pride back in till the end of the season, I'm all for it. Right, now we go to Lewis Baker. I didn't think Lewis Baker had one of his better games, but I thought he played well, and that's a sign of a good player. He's always talking to people. He's always trying to lead. He didn't have a, one of his better games at Cardiff either. Um, but, what you know, we've got a good player there. Lewis Baker is going to do well at Stoke, and I think in, him and Joe Allen are a really good pairing. Uh, so he's getting a seven from me. Uh, he's getting an eight from me, Lewis Baker, yesterday. He did have a, he did have a great game, but he, you know, let's be honest, he delivered the corner that set up the free kick. He he put a great a couple of great key moments in to help out with the second goal as well. I think he's a, a very good player, and I think he is, that, and he's good at set pieces. Ian. Yeah, he's an incredible penalty taker. He's he's been a revelation really since he's come in. Sam Lucas can't get a sniff in, thank God. But you know, yesterday I thought he, he didn't do a lot. But when he did come into life, it was at important times. And that's yeah. the thing that I, I like the most about him. When it matters, he turns up. And he's been keeping us alive for the last probably two months. And I think he was good yesterday. He, 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 he was a big part of the goals. So he gets that eight from me. Right, now the returning man, the man, the, basically the forgotten man that has gone from being his best player to pretty average at the moment. And that's Mario Verancic. I didn't think a lot of what he did came off for him yesterday. He always tries, he always puts a shift in. Um, and he's always looking for that telling pass, isn't he? Um, but but for me, I, he gave away the ball too much yesterday. He likes to be comfortable on the ball and they were catching him up and pressing him. So I, I'm giving him a six yesterday. Uh, I'm going to go over five, to be honest with Verancic yesterday. I thought he was a weak link for a lot of the game. He was he was holding the ball too long, which is what I saw about. He was he was holding the ball. He wasn't delivering the pass quick enough, and was getting caught all the time. Lost possession, I think, seven times yesterday, Verancic. Yeah. And you know, against good opposition, a team that's quicker, because let's be honest, you know, Millwall aren't a quick team. That could have been real pressure on our back line, and we, we know, yeah. and how shaky our back line is at the moment. We can't be having this. And for me, he's looking at a player that's lost his legs. From Yeah, I think he has. And I think, in all honesty, I, I wouldn't be signing him again. Yeah, for me, I, I'm. It's, it's a shame because at the start of the season, we were going, God, get him a two-year contract. Now I'm like, if his contract's up at the end of the season, I probably yeah, would let him go. Because he's, he's dropped off so far that he's averaging now four and fives out of ten for me. And... It was not a good performance yesterday at all. He was very much the weak link yesterday. 
Right, now we go into Wright Phillips. Well, it was nice to see him running around and back in the team. Um, I mean, you have to say that he's a confident young lad. Um, and I thought he looked good out wide. Um I think he's got a big future in the game. I hope it stays at Stoke. So, uh, for me, I, th- I thought he did a very, very good job and, and, and kept going to the very end. So, he gets an eight from me too. Uh, seven from me. Um, a lot of running. A lot of... A lot of I'll tell you what, he's a brave little lad, isn't he? It reminds yeah. me a lot of his granddad. You know, brave, doesn't mind getting stuck in, works as hard as he can for a, a lad who, let's be honest, isn't, isn't much taller than five foot. And... You know, he should have had a penalty as well, where Definitely. he was brought down. That should have been a penalty. Why aren't we getting these penalties? We, we don't get penalties because we don't. It's We're Stoke, we have to work the hard way. That's how it's always been and it always have to be. And plus, referees are crap. Right, so now we move into Josh Maggi. Now, Josh Maggi is one of these sort of players that you look at him, his link up plays great, he's good around the six yard area. But then the rest of the time, I'm not sure what he does. I find him a bit of a frustrating player, to be honest. Um, he holds it up well, as I said, and he, and, he, and he links play really well. But maybe it's because we don't give him much to feed on because there's not a great deal he gets, is there, to, to, to sort of latch on to. So I'll give him a seven for his effort. Uh, it's a five for me, Maggie. Uh, you love didn't... him, don't you? Didn't bring a lot to the table, no sort of progression. But I'll be honest with you, he reminds me of a Berahino, he reminds me of a Yossalu, a player that doesn't suit our way. He looks like a player that you feed you. We know from his time at Sunderland, you feed him chances in the box, he'll score. It's simple yeah. as that. But you ask him to do something outside of that, like Berahino, like Yossalu, to work and do this and do that, it just will not work. And I'll be honest with you. I'd I'd be more unless we unless we did bring a new manager in, I would probably cut the loan and let him go back to Bordeaux. From in my opinion, mm. from what I've seen so far, right. So you now we we'll like look... him. Then we'll put him on your Ben Wilmot loving list. Uh, yes, well Ben Wilmot's definitely on the opposite list at this moment in time. I'll be <laughs> brutally honest. Right. So now we move into the final man and your man of the match, Jacob Brown. How do you know? I might have changed my mind with all, all that you said, but yes, Jacob Brown. Hey, it was a good header. How he misses some of the chances he misses, I've no idea. That one that he managed to plant against the post from two feet and then looks utterly bemused as to why it hasn't gone in. But what you can never, ever fault Jacob Brown for is lack of effort. He runs himself into the ground every match. Um, I, the press starts and finishes with him. Uh, for me... Surprisingly, man of the match with nine. A nine? Well, I'm going to follow yeah. up with an eight because I think Joe Allen gets the nine for me. Uh, I thought he was brilliant again yesterday. He's a player that's drastically proved me wrong this season. And to be honest, without him, we'd probably be in a relegation battle. I've, I've, got, I've got to be honest. He's got himself in the Scotland national side. I don't think it'll be long until he's the first choice striker, even though he's from Barnsley. But f- for me... Yesterday he took his head a while. There was another chance, which is again I'm looking at and going, "How did he miss that?" But he, but that's the thing I noticed with Jacob Brown when he does miss a city, he still scores in that game, yeah. which 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 redeems him and everyone doesn't mind. You know, if if we lost, I don't know one nil and he missed a city, you'd go on his back. But he never does. He he scores later on and he normally scores an harder chance. Some of the goals he's tucked away this season have, have been goal of the season contenders. And yeah. I've got to be honest, I think he's he's the most improved player, but there is a bit of bad news that I heard yesterday in the press and online that apparently Norwich are very serious about trying to buy him. Yeah, well, um, that will probably be the same press that said Daniel Parker is going to be the uh, Stoke manager, not a prayer. Well, let's hope you're right. Thank you. Because you have been wrong many times before in the past, <laughs> Angela. Many Many times. That pint's gone straight to your head. Yeah, I, I don't drink. I don't know what you're trying to talk about. <laughs> right, so now we'll go to the substitutes and Thompson for Varancic, which I was screaming for. I've got, I've got to be honest, because Varancic didn't have a good game, did he? No, he didn't. Uh, I like Thompson. I think he. I think you know you've got Baker and you've got Joe Allen, who, who are, are really good, and 
when Thompson comes on, he keeps the game tight and he gets stuck in. I, it, the, the foul that he got yellow carded for, well, that was beyond me. But he wasn't on that long, so I'm going to give him a six. Uh, five is normal for subs unless they do something amazing. I don't know how right, he got bit. Well, give Fletcher a ten then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll ever give Fletcher a ten. But uh, I'll be honest. I, I thought he was, I don't know how he got a card for that. To be honest, unbelievable. It, and we please have to mark the ref yeah, today as well. Yeah, well, we do it every week now because you've made it a staple. It's now a staple, right? So we move into Campbell for right, Phillips. Uh, five and he did run around right now the last substitute and I think the most important one and I've got to mention this about the fans what the hell were they doing this for because it was good management Fletcher for Maggie well I thought it was there to run the last 30 seconds off the clock but obviously I was completely wrong they expected Maggie to go and score 15 goals in the last few seconds of the match you couldn't say Fletcher did anything wrong when he came on because he didn't do anything really so um, he'll get a five from me oh god finally a realistic sub score <laughs> yeah he gets a five from me um, and I don't understand the fans having a go to be honest because this was a clearly game management just to run a bit more of the clock down just to keep yeah. it 2-0 because we were starting to get a little bit under the cosh in the, in the final you know maybe 12-15 minutes and I thought it was a good sub you know, Fletcher, bring him on, he's knackered. You might as well do it for the last bit. Correct. Not used were, obviously, Bergic, Wilmot, which is a shame. And Simu was on the bench. And, of course, yeah. Sawyers. Um, I, I thought, you know, I mean, Sawyers warmed up a few times. Seema was on the bench. So, I think we might see Seema before he leaves. <laughs> That could be a that could be a big ask, <laughs> you know. Four appearances in a season for a lone player. Come on. Yeah, almost as many as Nick Powell. Yeah, where where is Nick Powell? He's injured. Oh, again. Yeah. Another one that I'm slowly starting to go on my blacklist. Um, yeah. Right. So now we go into the overall rating. Eight. At eight, I'm going over seven. I think it's a good performance after what's been going on. I can't remember the last time we won, and that's not a joke. I genuinely can't. Um, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to guess because it'll probably be wrong. I thought it was a decent performance. We needed it. Michael O'Neill definitely needed it, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, look, I, I thought Stoke were way the better team, and. When we had Gary Rowett as manager, towards the end, people were singing the famous song, Your Football Is Not Great. And yesterday, I couldn't work out, I couldn't fathom out how Millwall were above us in the league because I thought it was just like a mirror image of when we had him as manager here. They, um, they didn't do anything exciting. Um, but look, we, we won, as I say, and, and it was just lovely to do it against him. Yeah, it is. To, you know, when we turn up against King Rowett and, and give him a, a good idea, it's always nice. You know, his football is garbage, let's be honest. He, he's a decent manager. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a, he's a bad manager because I don't think he isn't. I think, to be honest, he's a he's a better-looking purely since with the way he plays football. But, but I wouldn't even go that far. I think they're similar. I would I, say he plays similarly. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of similarities that. between Pulis and, and, you know, go out for a 1-0 win and, and then defend the rest of it. It's very similar. Which is why yeah. I get so many draws like Peelis did till yeah. till Peter Coates' money came back in. Right, so now we move into Michael O'Neill's rating. Well, I thought Michael O'Neill's subs were much better. I thought that the team worked for him and proved that they obviously, you know, there were people questioning whether he'd lost the dressing room. Well, it's quite clear he hasn't. Uh, they were they were more compact. They were moving the ball better. They were better in midfield. So he's getting an eight from me. An eight. He's yep. getting a two from me because I know the supporters are after him and I don't lose listeners. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, honestly, I'd, I'm going to go over seven. I thought it was a good, good performance today, especially when the pressure is under. Let's be honest, he's had a very tough couple of months where yeah. things have really gone against him. The fans, a lot, I know a hell of a lot of the fans have turned on him. But before we do go into that properly, we're going to just give Sir John Brooks, and I'll take the sear off, John Mm, Brooks from Leicestershire what were we going to rate him? Well he had the right kit on he had a whistle he just didn't seem to understand that the whistle was to be blown fairly for me he's getting a three 
he's getting a one from me. Absolute garbage. Shouldn't shouldn't be refereeing. He's another one that probably just gets put on the list because they haven't got enough refs. Just hopeless. I mean, the bookings were pathetic. He, he, he wasn't letting anything go. Nowhere near good enough. I, but we can say that about most of the matches we've watched this season. The refereeing has been atrocious. Yeah. I don't didn't think I could see one much worse than the ref at Huddersfield. Right? But then you get the Stonewall penalty turned down. Uh, against Peterborough, then you get the man yesterday with with a whistle that clearly only worked if it was a Millwall foul, a foul for Millwall. So I just think we maybe our expectations are too high of having a ref that knows the rules. Yeah, or, or is compliant enough to understand what the rules are. Yeah. You know, I mean, Correct. Thompson bumping into a player to get a yellow card is is that was the most ludicrous decision I've seen for ages. Yeah, well, it's pathetic, really. It is pathetic. I love saying that word at the moment because I think he's delusional. Which is your favourite word. Right, now we've been talking about Michael O'Neill, which is the big topic around Stoke this coming week. And there's been a hell of a lot of talk, a lot of paper talk as well. And I know you're very upset about this because we all know who your Ben your Ben Wilmot is and it's Mr Michael O'Neill, you, you love him to bits. And there's been a lot of talk of Daniel Farkey, like serious talk now. But it's only serious because the papers are making it two and two equals five. Um, and let me just qualify something. I think Michael O'Neill has done a great job at Stoke. I think he has no doubt saved this club from going into Division One. I think he's balanced the books. I think his substitution use normally is not what I would do. I think some of his team formations have, have beggared belief. He's made statements like the defence was very slow. Uh, but you played James Chester in the middle of it. Yeah, I played three thirty-year-olds. I've got more speed than uh, James Chester. I'm not exactly road runner, but I've got more speed than James Chester. So I don't think he's helped himself in many ways. Tactics. So you, missed tactics. Other, you know, I, I I understand that, but I will say this to you again, Ian. You can have every name that we want on a manager's list, whether it be British or not British. And one of the first questions they will ask is, yeah, okay, I'll need to bring my own team with me. Um, and I'll, I, how much transfer budget have I got? And they'll probably be told they can bring their own team with them, but the transfer budget will be next to zero. And most of those managers will say, nah, thanks, I'll wait a bit, Tar. And that is going to be the route that Stoke are taking for the next couple of years. Stoke will not be spending much money for the next couple of years. If you think Daniel Farker is going to come to Stoke City for that, I think you're misguided. I don't actually think some of the other managers that are being mentioned would come either. And I would stick with the current manager we have. He is undoubtedly respected by the players, or they would not have played for him as they have in the last the last match. Because I have no, again, I think that had they have lost yesterday, it would have been very difficult 10 days for the board with the international break. I'm not saying it's, it's solved the problem. Some people will say it's only papered over the cracks. I'm saying I don't think there's anybody better at this moment in time who would take the job because the only people that will take that job with no money to spend are people out of work. They went before in a route that they've never done, trying to get Nathan Jones, a young up-and-coming manager who everybody thought it was a bold move. It didn't work for Stoke. He's doing great work at Luton. I'd say stick with who you've got. Well, you we're going to talk Daniel about uh, Nathan Jones. You want Daniel Farker? Uh, I don't want Daniel Farker. That, that's definitely something I don't want. It's not a route I don't want to see. Well, who would you go for? Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to bring that in. Because we, well, I think we've said it now for two weeks in a row. Who would I have? You know who I'd, I'd have as manager. Um, I've forgotten. Uh, John Terry, I'd have. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but you know you're not drinking. No, I'm definitely not drinking. I, I, I want, I want to see somebody like I say who's never done it before, who's got real hunger to yeah. try and make a name for themselves. And yeah. sometimes, and a lot of times, it's it's a manager who hasn't got any experience. They they bring a, a completely fresh look into it, into a new plus new ideas. Which I yeah. think is something that Stoke is absolutely crying out for. Yeah. But there's a lot of talk. I mean, I know you're going to probably answer this with a swear word, but apparently Daniel Farker was there on Saturday. Yes. Well, whoever put that 
room around, I think, is probably drinking at the same pub as you. Well, if they're going Winkle, it's a fair trek and there's no nothing else yeah. nearby. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I think Michael O'Neill gets to the end of the season with me. And I've told you, and I'll stick by what I say, I want to see a run. I want to see that he can get a run together because he hasn't done it. In the old, apart from the, the first off season when he first came in and kept us up, other than that, I haven't seen him put a run together more than what two about or three the first games. Seven matches of this season. Yeah? No, I mean wins. I mean like three or four, or five wins in a row, something like that. You know, everybody's had it. I mean, Luton, I think, are on seven, seven win, wins at a bounce or something. Is it now? You know, we don't have any runs. We had, we had that bit at the start of the season, then it just went draw, win, win, draw, lose, win, draw. Yeah. And that's that's not going to get us up. And it's not no, gonna... it isn't. No, but, but I do think that um, I spoke to him after the game yesterday and I do think that I said to him, eight matches to go, 24 points. And he said one game at a time. And I just think that's how he's going to operate. I that... think that's how he's going to operate from now on. I think... Uh, they will try and get as obviously they'll try and get as many points as they can, but by trying to get those points, I think now the pressure's off a little bit. I think they'll have a very good end to the season. They've got a couple of tough matches. I mean, we've got the Sheffield United, who I think will pinch the third spot by the playoffs, and then we've got the incomparable uh, Ince group. You know, Tom and his dad, Paul at Reading. Well, they've had a bit of a resurgence, so two tough games coming up, and I think those Stoke will do very well. Well, you're very optimistic. I'll I'll give that to you, but for me at this moment in time, until he proves there's a run, he's he's not on my good books. I'm, I'm sorry, he's had two and a half seasons, and we seemingly getting worse. We've had a, a cardboard cut out of last season. We haven't even hit the points mark of where we were Look, this time last I season. I understand what you're saying, and we and I'm as gutted as you. This is the woman that thought we'd get in the playoffs. This is the woman that was convinced that we had a chance of getting up, and I was wrong. But I ain't going to, you know, things like this happen in sport. They happen in sport, and they'll probably continue to happen in sport for years and years, but I still believe the bloke can turn the club round. Really do. Well, I like your optimism. I don't, personally. <laughs> I just don't think... And that's the end of this week's podcast. Uh, to all, everyone. Listen in again. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, it's not. It's not negative towards. Negative Nelly. It it isn't negative for me. It's negative because he's made it negative. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say. So what are you going to have? Well, John Terry isn't going to come with well, no money to spend. To, I wish it was up to me. If it was up to me, I'd pick this, this, this. But at the end of the day, it's not up to me. It's up to the coach family. If it was to, up to you, we'd still have Nathan Jones. No, you it, no, no, I, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was very clear. I didn't. Uh, I did like Gary Rowett. I, I did have a, a oh bit of a soft spot for Gary Rowett, but I, I, because I think the situation we were in, because we were losing every week for such a long time, and we started drawing, we weren't losing. And anyway, it doesn't matter. If that's in the past. But the thing yes. for me is that I just don't think he's he's a winner enough to get us up. I just don't. Okay. I just don't think he's got it in him. He might right, do with okay. a bit of money. So at the end of the season, when FFP might finally be gone and he's got a bit of a pot to spend, there might be an improvement. But yeah. He's brought a lot of players in, and there's not many of them that make me go, "Yeah, let's keep him next season." Now even what about Jacob Brown. Well, Jacob Brown, yeah, but Lewis he's Lewis Baker. Yeah, Lewis Baker. That's two. Yeah, the rest, the, the other is sixteen. Well, it's twenty nine, I think. But there you go. Yeah, twenty nine. Who else would you keep, man? Twenty six, it was. <laughs> well, I'd keep both goalkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> now we're on four. No, 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 no. One of them come Jackie for the academy. One of them come for the academy. <laughs> <laughs> Suits have come for the academy. Look, stop trying to prove your point, my facts. It never works. <laughs> got you there. Um, and so, you know, if, he, if he's got money and, and he, you know, these players that are coming in, Jaggy Elker, I think, will die off towards the end of the season as well. He was already looking a bit leggy now. You know, you've just got to look at it in. in Clearistic terms. I'm going to keep going till the end of the season, but he's got to put a run together. It's there's no unless he puts a run together. I want somebody new for next season. Right. So, so the title of this podcast is "What's a good run?" So I'm asking you now, how many points will it take for you to think? Let's give him another go. Right. So what are we on now? Thirty nine. 
we've got eight games left. So how many points of the eight games left, of the 24, will you think suffices for the man to have another go? We've got eight games left, or I won't see five wins. Well, OK. Sheffield United win, Reading win, West Brom win, Bristol win, Blackburn draw, Queen's Park Rangers win. There you go, there's your games. And we've got two to spare with Middlesbrough and Coventry. Well, if he did that, keep him on, he's going to get us off. <laughs> but I, I don't think that's going to happen, Andy, is he? Let's be brutally well, honest. I, don't think that, I think we'll beat Sheffield United. I think we'll beat Reading. West Brom, we always beat West Brom. Oh, God. Bristol City, we owe them one. Blackburn, we owe them one. Queen's Park Rangers, we beat them last time, so we'll have a draw. Middlesbrough, one, I'll give you that as a loss. And Coventry, we owe one, too. So out of those last games, I think we're going to win six of them, draw one. And lose one. Absolutely. That's 19 points. Absolutely deluded. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't dream big, it's pointless dreaming. Yeah, but if you don't, if you, it's all right dreaming big as long as something isn't at stake. We're not going to beat. Oh, West, West Brom, we used to always beat them. <laughs> we beat them this season, and they're another one that have fallen off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's what happens when you have Steve Bruce the job, but. The, f- the thing of it is... They changed their manager, Ian. They did just what you wanted and changed their manager. No, but I think it's not. And they've got no but better. All I say is, unless you're in a drastic situation where we were when Nathan Jones left, I feel yeah. that's the only really time that you don't give a manager a season. Right, I'm all, well, we've I'm... got 49 points so far, so what do you think is an acceptable points tally? 50. OK, I'll take 50. <laughs> That's a realistic target, not what I want. Um, I want. I'd want. I'd say. I'd say. For the last, for the remaining eight games, I, I'd, I'd be wanting around the sixty mark. Okay. So we need to get eleven points. Yeah. Right. So four wins does it. Three three wins and a couple of draws does it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that. That's very easily, very easily achieved. I, I love so how you say that easily. you've now said that Michael O'Neill's in charge next season. No, that, that I'm was happy with of, that. That was because of the situation, and that situation hasn't happened yet. Actually, it's all, <laughs> it's all a figment of your imagination. Now, like I say, if you could get around the sixty-point mark, which is which means a run, then I'll go right. Let's just give him another season with a bit of money, and let's see where he goes. But if it happens again next season, he's got to go. Simple Ian, as that. There, is, there won't be a bit of money. Well, I don't know where you're getting this idea that there'll be a bit of money. Well, there'll if, be hardly any money at all. The only money there'll be is from players that are binned or contracts aren't renewed. Well, I've been told that FFP goes next season, so we can spend three years' worth of money in a go if we want. I am telling you that Stoke won't go that route. Well, if we don't go that route, we're staying in this division for a long time. Right, well, get used to it then. Brilliant. Now everyone's all cheered up and everyone's got the optimistic on. We're going to talk about something that is a bit optimistic at the moment. Well, hang on. Before we do that, let's talk about the ladies. Well, let's talk about the ladies. Well, I was because going to talk about the... Because that's not optimistic, is it? Because the, the whole of the management team has gone, as we know. And um, the ladies' first team didn't have a match today. But the reserves did. So, do you want to be cheered up or do you want to be down in the dumps? Well, if the last time you cheered up, we're saying you're playing again next week, so we'll go with that again. Right, so, the you are so a man of such little faith. Our ladies played against Leicester's today, so Stoke City women played against Leicester Reserves today, and the score was 5-1. To us, two goals from Jackson, one from Wilshaw, Beeman and Ethan. So... 5-1, bad luck, Leicester, well done, Stoke. But that was that our first team in their reserves? No, that was both reserves. Oh, our that's good result, then. That's a brilliant result. Absolutely, Absolutely brilliant for the ladies. Absolutely. And have they still got a manager? Um, well, I think the coaches are mostly doing it at the moment. But I, I'm sure that will change in the not-too-distant future. Well, it's but been... you were going to talk about something else equally positive, weren't you? Well, I was, yeah. But it's like, so we've not had a manager for, what, six months, seven months? We haven't had a manager. Yeah, it's difficult. Months, it? it's, it's not easy. Maybe John Terry would do it for you. Well, if we can get John Terry in, let's get him in. <laughs> I don't like the man, but I've just got a feeling he'll be a good manager. I don't know why, but you, know, you never know. 
Uh, right, so yeah, I wanted to talk about the under-23s because good things have been coming out of that at the moment. So I wanted to bring it up as a subject for the fans. Well, I think I don't just think it's the under-23s. I think it's uh, you. You have a look at um, you have a look at all the age group teams. It's it's really good at how players are coming through, and and the under-18s and the under-16s are are doing remarkably well. So, yeah, the under-23s are doing great. But when you look at the, the whole of the groups that are coming through, I, there's a lot to be proud of and pleased of at Stoke City at the moment. I mean, you've got Emery Tesbell, who's, I think he's been called up for the under-17s. Uh, again, you've got the under-23s who play Middlesbrough in the last eight of the, of, of the Cup. Um, and it would be nice to see a lot of people going to watch that match because it's at home. Um I'm thinking it's the first week in April, the, the, the actual fixture. Um, but, uh, I th- in fact, it's the 8th, April the 8th, and it's at 7 o'clock, and they're playing at the Bet365. So that's a, a massive game, and, and hopefully, Ian, you'll turn up for that. Hey, what day is it in a week today? It's a Friday. Probably not. No, of course not, because you're a part-timer. Then you've got Tommy Simpkin, who's in the under-18 England squad. We we do Bursic's playing in in the under twenty three, isn't it? We've got some, you know. Not only we've got Bursic and of course now the prolific Bonham, our penalty saver. You've got Tommy Simkin playing for the under 18s and um, then if you look at further beyond that, Jaden Felagine Badace has obviously been called up, but he won't even make the call up because of his his knee. We won't see him next season. Taylor Harwood Bellis is also in the under twenty one squad with Joe Bursic. So I, I think it's uh, it, it's looking really, really good. And then you've got the even younger age groups. Um, some of them had to uh, play a match up at Sunderland yesterday, and it's a long trek, you know, for kids to go to go to somewhere like Sunderland and um, go on a bus, and the parents travel up in their own cars. I mean, I've got a friend, Anthony, who um, who went up yesterday and, and spent an arm and a leg on petrol because they, obviously they don't travel with the kids um, 85 quid I think he said he spent in petrol but they got a win a draw and a defeat and um, it's really really good but the same thing happens at these kids matches I mean one of the things I was told was the officials were rubbish for all the teams uh, it's just um, it's just unbelievable but how lovely that they go and play in a massive stadium um, like the Stadium of Light it's, uh, it's really really good that that our youngsters from ages like nine upwards are are coming through. So I, I just think it's there's not a lot uh, to to feel bad about in terms of the age groups. We beat Newcastle, the kids did. They drew with Borough and they lost to Sunderland, and they came second in the group. So right down from the age groups, um, the the really youngest age groups, we've got some good players coming through. And when you look, take when you progress that more, Ian, who has given our players chances now to get in the first team? Uh, Rory Delap. Yeah. Okay. You know who <laughs> You know who it is. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, it is. Gary Howard to give them all the opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I, and you've said it with such enthusiasm. Uh, um, yeah, Michael O'Neill. He's, he's good. He's good with the kids. There's no question of that because I think that, that happens a lot when. You know, you're a manager of Northern Ireland where you've got to pretty much bring kids through because otherwise you're not going to have the players. It, it's, it's There's not a big pool there to pick from. But we're getting a, good, a fantastic set of lads that have come through. You've got to think Nathan Collins came through his academy. Yeah. Mo Sanko's scoring off the bench quite regularly now for Stuttgart. You know, he came through the academy and then stabbed us in the back and left. You know, well, that happens. That yeah, it does happen. It does happen with, with the youth levels because you, know, you know. But when when you make a giant sidestep to Stuttgart, it, it is a bit of a knife in the back. Yeah. But but we produced Suter. I know we bought Suter in, but he he still came through his academy. You've got Simkin there. I think Forrester's going to be a potential, and hopefully now because he's back from Mansfield, for me he should now be replacing Chester on the bench. To you know, progress him. I'd rather see Forrester than Chester at this moment in time. You know, when you look at Klukas, Klukas is a spent force here. He's gone, in my opinion. For Ancic, a lot of these players that we know aren't going to go, I mean, are going to go, but don't really feature a lot for Michael O'Neill. Just get them gone. 
Just get them yeah. going in the under 23s and bring some of these lads in so they know yeah. they've got a big part of it. And Chester's one that we all know has gone at the end of the season. I mean, if he gets another contract, I want Michael O'Neill's head for that. There's no chance. Well, you Would say... you give Jaggy Elkert a contract? No. You see, I think I might, for one season, pay as you play. No, I'd, I'd, I think, personally, at the end of the season, I'd... He's slowing down now, Ange. I was watching him yesterday and I think he was at fault for the penalty. The last couple of games, he's been really slow. He started well, but I think that's just because he's got that experience. But for me, when you look at those players that are there, there's a hell of a lot I'd let go who contracts are up at the end of the season. To be honest, pretty much all of them. I'd, I'd be you honest. Know, you know what I like about you? It's, it's the... Um... It's the really, really calm way you just dispatch players. You're rubbish, get off, you're gone. I do, I, I, but that's how I feel, Andrew, this set Yeah, but if you're talking like that, then, here's the hot topic for people to debate. I, don't, I, I assume we won't be doing a, a podcast next weekend because you'll probably increase your, your walking to um, four miles. You've told me you've done six today. Here's me doing a ten-mile run and you're just loading it like you're doing. But the topic... Right, this is the topic that I... I'm going to ask you a question now. Are you ready? Are you ready for this tough question? Right, yeah, I'll I'll answer it instantly anyway. (laughs) Nicholas Powell. Yeah. Hardly played for us this season. Yeah. Can't be blamed for some of the injuries. Well, can't be blamed for any injury, but would you, if somebody came along, would you trigger his extra 12 months or would you trigger it and then if somebody came along, say, thank you very much, goodbye? Because I can't see the purpose. As much as he's a good player, and when he plays, he makes a big difference. I can't see the point in having a player on your books taking up a good wage who hardly plays for your team. Oh, he'd be gone for me. Yeah. He'd be gone, yeah. The thing is, when I say I want him gone, it's because they aren't worth worth anything. You know, I look at this squad and I look at a lot of the players that we've got on our team. They're just they're too hit and miss for me. It's Correct. like you look at Varancic and he started incredibly well, and we thought, right, we've got a really good, experienced pro here. But since November, he's done nothing. I know, I know, he got an injury, and but he's been back now for that injury in a while. He's just not performing. No. And you know, the problem is if his contract's up and he's not performing, you have to let him go. Klukas, go. So would you actually, therefore, I'll make the question a little easier, would you um, go for the extension to his contract? Would you just let him go off somewhere else now? I'd, I'd just let him go off for somewhere else. Right. See, I don't think I would. I think I would sign him up and hope somebody came in and tried and pinched him off you. That's what I would I just don't do. think anybody will, though. Wigan tried to do the same thing and, and then decided on the seconds of the season after the one where they tried to keep hold of him to let him go for free because the, you, the problem is with a Nick Powell you can build around a team round him which we have done which is what Michael O'Neill's done but then as soon as he starts getting these niggly injuries the points disappear yeah. and you can't rely on that kind of player because since he's gone we stopped winning and then now yeah. he's come back and he's got another niggly injury so we're back to square one again where he's got to figure out how to change the formation how to play differently because he's injured and it's, yeah. it's a shame. It's, I'm not saying he's saying he's rubbish because he's a very good player, Nick Powell. We all know he is. He scores goals. He's very creative, and he's a nuisance. But the yeah. problem is, he gets too many injuries, and they aren't short ones. They are months. Yeah. So for me, I would let him go, and because right, okay. and, and, we know he's on a decent wage for the championship, that could open up a door for somebody else on loan or a, a player that could do that damage. Yeah. And that's for me how it is. Branchich, let him go. Bonham, let him go and start looking. Bonham, a, a goalkeeping king. Don't be silly. We, we'd, we'd, I'd let him go with a heartbeat. <laughs> I see, I wouldn't. I would keep him at the moment. If we had a better option, yeah, I'd let him go. If we had a better option, I'd let Bursic go. But um, I, know, I do still think Bursic will be a good keeper. I'm not so sure he's going to be as great as everybody thought. Uh, but I think he'd be an excellent keeper. But then when you look at the good keepers we've had over the years who've been spoilt... My concern is we still haven't got a left back. We've let, let well, we haven't got full backs. We let Tom Edwards go out, Tommy Smith, Morgan Fox. I don't think they're going to stay, do you? No, I'd let them all go. 
I'd, I'd let them all go. I'd let Edwards go. I'd let Smith go. I'd let Dahani go. The, 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 these well, I mean, he, I, I'm just quite baffled by the Dahani one. Well, I, um, I, I don't understand why we kept him in the first place. Just keep hold no. of Tom Edwards, give him a proper go, and then yeah. let Dahani go. I, yeah. I, I, he did all right, Dahani. I'm not sitting here saying he's he's an hopeless player, he's not good enough, but he isn't, he isn't is he, really? He's, he's just a... He's not got a lot of experience, and there's a reason for that because he, he doesn't consistently perform. I know he hasn't had the opportunity, but if we like, we've got to be realistic, Andrew. This is where I think a lot of Stoke fans are getting really angry, and it's where I'm getting angry as well. We aren't bringing in. We, I know we've gone ridiculously badly with what Gary Rowett did, but whenever we're bringing in players, none of them impressed me for long. You know, yeah. you've got like Harry Suter and Campbell who were, would definitely keep hold of. I'd keep hold of Bersic because I think there might be a good goalkeeper. But for me, he's a number two at this moment in time until he gets fully yeah, ready. Yeah, I would agree. And we need a goalkeeper. That's, for me, priority in the summer. That's got to be number one, get a decent goalkeeper in. But for me, if the board isn't going to spend when we're out of FFP, this is what's going to happen now for four or five years because we haven't got a squad anywhere near good enough, in my opinion, to put consistent runs together because we keep bringing in inconsistent players. Sam yeah, Klukas. Sam Klukas has been at the club now three years. He's had half a good season. You look at yeah. Joe Allen. He, since we've been in the Championship, he's been pretty average. But now his contract's running up. He's probably been our best player. And the problem is with a lot of these players, they, they their form drags down the better players. I've noticed it before where... A good player will come in and, and start really shining, but these average players around them drag them down because they're thinking, why should I be doing what I'm doing if this player can't be bothered? Yeah. And it, it's, it is a big issue at the moment. You've got Nick Powell, who everybody's loving and, and understandably loving with his performances, but there's got to be more there. If, if he's getting these niggly injuries all the time, then I'm, ta- it's, I'm afraid it's time to let go. It's just one of them things. You get a lot of players. I can remember what's his name, um, Peter Oostry. Peter Oostry was our best best player f- through the noughties, in my opinion. An incredible player. Had the technical gift that I've still not seen. To be honest, he's probably the best player I've seen in a Stoke shirt. Peter Oostry. His, his touch was incredible, but he was I, always I injured. Would, would, I mean, I thought Oostry was great, and I'll never forget that funny little running gait he had. But for me. Um, there, there were two players in modern times that um, I think are better than Peter Hoekstra and sadly one of those was Marko Anatovic and the other one's Bojan but, Bojan was but again Bojan was another one of those players once he was never consistent that well, was... no it was Hoekstra if he'd have been consistent he wouldn't have come from Ajax to Stoke well we know that but what I mean is if you, you, if you Bojan didn't have the injury problems that no, Hoekstra did true. Hoopster yeah. had, had a knee that was gone from the age of 23. Yeah, he you know, did. And he was a wonderful player. He was and an I'll incredible never forget player. That, uh, he scored. But when you're talking about blasts from the past to finish this this one off, Ian, do you know who the guest of yesterday was at Stoke? The special mass day guest? Yeah, I'm friends with him on Facebook. I talk to him every now and again. Well, go on then. Um, name drop. Gifton Noel Williams. Yeah, Gifton... Noel Williams, another one that turned his back on the club and went to Burnley. Yeah, there was a lot happening in that in the noughties that happened. But he was another player similar to Joe Allen, where in his final season he was on fire, and but didn't do much the two seasons before. No, it's, I know it's funny, isn't it? Funny how this happens at Stoke. Yeah, and you've talked, you've talked about Sam Clucas. I mean, he, he he's been a disappointment. You've. T- uh, there's been lots of talk about different players not performing and uh, I suppose we really ought to finish with the Joe Allen, shouldn't we? Because we talked last week about um, how many players we think we'll have in. I think they'll probably have six contracted players at the most that they'll keep with the contracts, etc. But uh, to me, since Joe Allen's been injured and come back, I think he's played really, really well. I don't think that he will be at Stoke next season. Uh, I think he will want to go back to Wales because he wants his children educated in Welsh-speaking schools. He wants them to speak the language. And it's a hell of a commute from here to Wales. Uh, it'll be very difficult to replace, you know. No matter what people think, he'll be very difficult to replace in the Stoke team. Well, he, he, 
He will and he won't, to be honest, because apart from now, where he's performing because his contract's up, because he'll obviously try to get the best deal he can. If, yeah, he probably wants to go Wales, but he'll prefer to go nearer to Wales if it means yeah, yeah. to a club that could go up, because he, he knows this club's circling around mid-table, because we're not spending money, we keep falling away after Christmas, he's probably looking at this going, yeah, it's time for me to move now. And you can't blame him, he's on really good money. He's not going to get that kind of money again, which is why he's stayed loyal to the club. But he has, for me, been largely a disappointment from how much yeah. we bought him for. I mean, what was it, £18 million? Pound? 60, £18 million, wasn't it, we got? I think so, yeah. He's the second highest, isn't he, signing we yeah. bought. And, I, and when you put it down in that that context, he has been a letdown, anti. Yeah. And if he wants to move, and the rumours are it's Swansea that he's got his eye on, um, I don't know why, because they're plummeting like a stone at the moment, not spending any money, same as Stoke. How how would we replace him? Because we haven't got him a player like that in the team, have we? No, and I think it will be hard to replace him, but uh, it's certainly something Stoke will be looking at. I mean, people are talking about different players from different clubs and... Um, He'll be hard to replace, and I, uh, you know, I know we're really out of time now. But I hope, I hope that uh, he wins the match against Austria, um, and I hope Wales get through to another World Cup because it'll be his last World Cup. And similarly, I hope uh, should Scotland get to play Ukraine, I hope that Scotland do well against them. Although I think everybody outside of Scotland will want Ukraine to do well. It's terrible what's happening there at the moment. Yeah, it is. And by the way, Wales have qualified for the World Cup since 1964. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's a big onus on them, isn't there? And it would be a nice way for him to, to end, end his career going to, to another World Cup with, with Wales. He's never been in a World Cup. Would... No, I mean, going to a... Wales have been to a World Cup. So for Wales to go to another World Cup, it would be nice for him to be in that team. Yeah, it would. I'd, I'd be. I wouldn't be grudging that as well because you know to be a, just going to a World Cup would be incredible for them, yeah. for Wales. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Welsh. Um, no, I'm not now. I, I've not been a big fan for them ever since we lost to Iceland, and they rejoiced in it. Uh, and I understand why people do that. It's rather similar to us rejoicing if the Vale don't win, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we I haven't mean, got a rivalry. Really, petty, have but we all do it because we all have our our loves and our dislikes and. You know, I I, um, I married a Scottish man oh. and I always used to support Scotland until I was up in Scotland with him visiting family uh, many years ago now and we were in a pub watching England play and when the opposition scored against them, they all went mental. And there were two people that didn't go mental, me and somebody at the other side of the pub. And I thought, hmm, they must be English. And when we scored, it was almost like an unwritten rule. We went absolutely ballistic. And George suddenly said, we better go. And we left the pub and watched the rest of the match at home. Uh, so from that moment on, I didn't really want Scotland to do well at all. But I've always wanted the other nations to do OK. Uh, and now I must admit, I don't. No, so, I don't. Um, I'd just like them to get through and then lose every match in the World Cup. I get a lot of Scotland every time. Yeah, but isn't it awful? I suppose it's a grudging respect for us as English people. And, and for any Welsh and Scottish people, Irish people... People from Malta, Gibraltar, and anywhere else that uh, flies a British flag. I really am sorry, but that's now the way I think. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I love it when Scotland qualify, but lose every game. It's it's yeah. brilliant. You know, they lost to lost to some really rubbish teams. <laughs> really embarrassing. <laughs> Costa Rica. I yay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like cheering or out, but you know, they are no, garbage. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> another one done. That's another one done. Yeah. Right. Thanks for that, then, Ange. It's a pleasure. So we'll see you, everybody, if you can still bear with us in two weeks' time when Ian will be still beating the John Terry drum and I will be saying, I told you we beat Sheffield United. Yeah. So that's another one done. So thanks for listening. If you want to know more about us here at the Potters Podcast, make sure you get yourself on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. There's more information up there that you can get involved with. If you're on Facebook also, we've got the group. The potters, just get on there, just ask a question, and you can get on. There's a lot of stuff that happens on there. You can put whatever you want up. Also, we're on every podcast platform, so if you listen to this on something you don't normally do, just go onto your normal podcast provider and add the potters podcast. We're there 
very easy. If you're on iTunes, make sure you get, if you could give us a a five star review. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to Ange, and it goes a long way for the podcast. So thanks for listening. To all, all the best. <laughs>